0: Good morning. This is Pam Jenkins um, from Tears of Ministries and my podcast, Justice for Tamar's Tears, under Tears of Ministries. Uh, I hope everyone is doing well today. Uh, It's a brand new day, it's a beautiful day. In California, we're having really lovely weather and uh, sunny days, um, a little bit warmer, but not too much. And I hope everybody is having a great day. So I want to get started uh, this morning in the fourth podcast. And um, I did say uh, my last podcast, I did talk about domestic violence abuse. And I had to tell that story of that portion of the story of what happened in my life uh, prior to um, telling how um, I was raped. Again, um, Tears of Ministries is a crisis response ministry to the cry of Tamar. I did explain who Tamar is. She is a young woman who is a specific, a specific woman who suffers from the soul broken traumatic after effects of rape. And this ministry is a compassionate ministry that addresses the traumatic after effects uh, that robs Tamar of the abundant life that belongs to her. Tamar is a young woman who was raped, and her story is told in the Bible in second Samuel chapter thirteen and um my life uh, uh my life comes along into that area of that young lady in the Bible and I'm speaking to many who have um been uh raped many women and who have whose lives are really conducive to what Tamar in uh the Bible her life was and so um this morning I'm welcoming into the uh room into our room uh any woman and any young girl who has been raped uh, or even an attempt of rape, and definitely those who are still broken and still have need of healing, still have need to get their life back so that they can live their life according to what God has given to them. Again, I'm coming from the Bible um, because I do believe um, that Jesus Christ can heal anyone from anything wherever they hurt, as he has done for me. This is the reason why I'm telling my story this morning. This is the reason why this podcast exists, because this podcast is about my story. And my story is like so many other women and young women out in the world today who have suffered the soul-broken traumatic after-effects of right. I said it was crisis response, which means this ministry that has been given to me by God comes in after the attack of rape has happened and rape is ugly, it's horrible it's a violent act of crime and it is a sin it is a sexually immoral sin that should never happen or be perpetrated on anyone and because I was a recipient of it and many women and young girls have been a recipient of it, God has given me this compassionate ministry so that I may address the things that happened to a woman after the rape and these things that have hurt a woman and a young girl has hurt their life and um, it's been really hard for them to live because they're not free and neither are they healed from what happened to them. And so this ministry has a mission to reach every Tamar. To reach every Tamar with the purpose to bring God's restorative justice to her for a violation that wasn't her fault. Know at any time that rape is not the fault of the person who has been violated by it. She has done nothing to cause that to happen to herself. Neither did she do anything or say anything that will cause that. And I want to really stress that each time I'm on the podcast, I want to stress that women, young ladies, rape is not your fault. And some women do take on the guilt and the shame of that particular attack that happens to them. And instantly that happens. And um it's uh they may be talked to or treated at times as if it happened as it happened to them and it's their fault. And it was not, it wasn't my fault and it's never any person's fault that has been raped. Please understand that. And please really take a hold of that truth. And um, God comes in to help us to understand that um, we do not have to take on the shame and the guilt of that because we didn't bring it upon ourselves. And so also uh, to, uh, um, Tears of Ministries comes in to uh, help the help uh, bring in restorative justice to the life of Tamar. Um, God has given me restorative justice, and along the line as we go on with future podcasts, I will explain more about restorative justice and how God brings justice versus how man brings justice and so i'm so grateful that god has given me this ministry so that i can help uh these help these particular women these particular tamar get her life back that which belongs to her that which god has given to her and gave her a place in this earth and so i'm very thankful to be able to do that um my name's pam jenkins and i am a certified sexual assault advocate, excuse me, crisis, Advocate Counselor. And I do want to explain that very quickly because I did get, I did have a couple of questions. So what that means for me is, as I said before, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist and neither am I a licensed clinical social worker, but I am a certified sexual assault crisis advocate counselor as I also am the face voice and writer of Tears of Ministries. Jesus is the heart of the ministry, but I am the face, the voice, and the writer. And as a certified sexual assault crisis advocate, I have been certified by the state of California under um, an organization that used to be called KELC. CALCASA, and that organization is uh, the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. They have recently changed their name from CALCASA, which is the acronym, to VALOR, or VALOR US. And they're still the same organization, but the name has changed. And so what that means is I am state certified under the governor of California where I can go and I can counsel with uh, a sexual assault victims. And so I have successfully completed this uh, sexual assault counselor training under the state of California. I'm certified. I am certificated. um, And it is with the governor's office of criminal justice planning. And so I have gone through a Training course, and I have completed that training course. And so now I do my advocacy work through this ministry, Tirza Ministries. And remember, I did say that Tirza is a Hebrew word, which means it is both a person as it is a place. And the scripture that uh, founded, that is the foundation for that, is Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 4. And so I just wanted to make sure and let everybody know that I am certified uh, by the state of California to do what I'm doing even though i'm i'm not a licensed professional as a psychologist, psychiatrist, and clinical social worker is but i am certified under the state of california to counsel sexual assault victims and um i'm a, a deal with cri- this crisis situation because rape is a crisis situation it's extremely Crisis situation for any woman and any young girl, and I do advocate on behalf of the victim. I am there when the, uh they I need to be there I may be there in the um the examination room. If the uh, sexual assault victim um, chooses to want to go to the exam room, which I do recommend that they do go to a hospital medical center to be examined and that the forensic nurse may come and collect information and collect um, evidence uh, to prove that there has been a sexual assault. And so I do speak on behalf of the uh, victim, and I do support the victim, and this is the cause that I fight for, and it is just like a lawyer. In other words, it's like a lawyer. I do advocate, I do give active support to the victim of whatever they need at the time that they need it. I also do help them to file a police report, of which I do recommend as much as possible that every sexual assault victim please do file a police report. Because it's. I know it's difficult, I know it's a little hard, I even though that that can be traumatizing but think of it this way that if a police report is filed on the perpetrator, whether you know the person or whether you don't, at least with the details that um, can be given as evidence to describe the perpetrator. And that perpetrator can be found by law enforcement and then arrested. Think of it this way, you get that person off the street. So they will have no other opportunity to assault another woman or a young girl. Think of it that way, even as hard and painful as it might be to do that. But think of it, that person at least will be in jail so they won't be able to hurt another person. And so also as a counselor, I come in to give certain amount of advice. And that is based on my certified state training. And me, as I've said, I am a born again Christian. Christian and I do come from the Bible. So I will give, um, both, uh, some uh secular advice as well as biblical advice because I'm also an ordained minister, and I have been certified to be able to give certain counseling for what I do under Tears of Ministries. My biblical training and um, the sexual assault training um, combined together, so I can be able to really help a woman or a young girl, eighteen or over to receive um some um, some advice some counseling some help, so that she can uh, begin to start her life. Uh, in a pathway of healing and this certification i received from the state uh was in march of 2017. so since 2017 i have been certified and from the state of california as a uh, sexual assault crisis advocate counselor i love standing up for the helpless and the weak i love advocating for those that have no voice and need to get their voice back. I do stand up for those that are weak and failing because I am an advocate. I am what is called a justice advocate. And in future podcasts, I will explain that as well. And my training I received under the state of California was through the YWCA of Greater Los Angeles. I went through their training course and I went through the certification so that 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 um, uh, validates who I am, validates what I do. I wanted to make sure that I did give that information so that everyone will understand um, some things that I am able to say and do and um, uh, without being a uh, degreed psychologist or psych psychiatrist or licensed clinical social worker. So I just wanted to make sure that I give that information out to all that are following me, to all that like, And those that are sharing my podcast, and I'm asking, please do, because you never know in your world, in your circle of influence, who might be there that may need to hear what I'm saying today. Because, again, this is my testimony. This is my story that I'm telling, and it is also my ministry. And so last podcast, I did talk about the domestic violence abuse that I did suffer that actually leads up to the right. There's a couple of things here I wanted to share about domestic violence very quickly that, um, in it in a, a part of a domestic violence abuse situation we you need to know that there are domestic violence abuse shelters that uh, uh uh women can go to and women can seek refuge and safety from and there also is a domestic violence hotline, and that number is a one eight hundred seven nine nine 7283. It is a confidential number and it is um, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can go there and receive what you need in confidence and get the help that you need and find out where there are available shelters in your area and your location for you to escape and get refuge for it. And so every year I do post on Tears of Ministries Facebook page concerning sexual assault awareness prevention, uh, in April and in October, domestic violence abuse awareness month. I also do a post for suicide awareness and prevention, uh, post-traumatic stress awareness and prevention. So I'm, um, up on uh, all these particular areas that have a lot to do with the rape of a woman and what she is suffering. And then I also like to remind all the ladies that are listening to me and any young girls that are 18 and over, I just want to remind you when it comes to the word of rape, it is a ugly issue, but it is also personal in the sense that it happened to a woman. And so I just want to gently remind us is let's not, let's not uh, keep saying the words, my rape. Because that's one thing I learned not to do is not to call it my rape because um, we need not take ownership of something that wasn't our fault. We need not take ownership of something that we did not cause to happen to us. We didn't ask for it. We didn't invite it in. We didn't create it and nor has it been received to us as a gift. And so, therefore, we need to not take ownership of it by calling it my rape. It is a rape. It is an attack. And it did happen to women, uh, to women. And so we don't we should not take ownership of it as if it was something that um, we did cause on ourselves, And we did not I just want to gently say that so that we can stop saying my rape. Let's just call it what it is. This was an attack that happened to me. I'm not taking ownership of it as calling it something that I am supposed to have. No, it happened. It happened. It happened. And so we need to make sure we're not it was personal but we make sure we're not calling it or making it our own. And so this uh was deliberately done against us. It was done against us. So we have to really kind of make sure that we we kind of change that. We we want to change that because the more we call it mine, the more it 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 can Bring more pain upon us, and it it works on the inside of you, and then it works on your mind. It was an attack of something that happened to me, so I'm not going to call it my own. And um, anytime, at any time this happens, and you need to call the sexual assault national sexual assault hotline that number is 800 656 four, six, seven, three, and then always get to someone as quickly as possible so that you can definitely, definitely receive some help, emergency help. Please also as recommended, get to a hospital or medical center because there's also the potential for uh, a sexually trans. Disease that could be transferred from the perpetrator onto the woman. Please make sure that that's um you get medical care, you get medical treatment, and then they'll take a test for an STD as well. That was just something I just definitely wanted to um get uh say to. The ladies say to every lady, every young girl that is listening to me today, because um, many things are changing for women. And we thank God for that. Many things are changing. Um, Many things have changed, but we want to make sure that we're getting the proper care that we need. We want to make sure that we file a police report. Um, as as soon as possible as soon as 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 we can, and then um making sure that we are are getting to a doctor we're getting that medical care we're getting tested let them take a a rape kit uh the forensic nurse let them take the the rape kit so that that can be entered into evidence as um the police are doing their part by going after the perpetrator okay on that. So I am thank you for that. As a sexual assault crisis advocate counselor, that's something that I have to say. That is something that I have to put out there for every body that I'm dealing with, for every Tamar I'm dealing with, because I I will be there sometimes and I may not be there sometimes but I thank God that the you have the resources and the information and you have the hotlines and you have um, people that are able to come in and help and bring um, confidentiality in the whole situation and so that there can be some comfort because at the moment there is grief and sorrow there is shame that comes. There is hurt. There's anger. There's pain. And so at the moment, a lot is going on in the mind of the victim at the moment. And then also their physical body may have suffered some pain at the same time. And so I just want to make sure I put that out there for everyone. Now to the podcast. Um, This is um, how uh, how I was... Uh, raped. I also said in the last uh, podcast about the domestic violence abuse and what caused the rape for me was just a little bit different than um, uh, maybe for other women. Um, I wasn't just attacked in a sense that I wasn't attacked unexpectedly. Uh, I wasn't attacked um uh, as someone, as, as, uh, how can I explain it? Uh, I wasn't attacked, um, in a sense I um I didn't I I only briefly knew the person and it was just a different way by which it happened to me. And so in my podcast uh last podcast when I talked about the domestic violence abuse, I used the word acquiesce because that was the word that the Lord had given to me to help me to understand what happened. To me. And I said the word acquiesce, and that meant to um that it was consent. The meaning of the word means to consent or comply without protest. It means to to I was beat into submission through the domestic violence abuse I suffered as a child. I was beat into submission for such a long time that um, It had such a control and a rule over me that I didn't even know how to fight back. And so I just submitted. I just submitted because it became automatic to me without any effort. It was an automatic thing. I didn't fight back. I didn't put forth an effort. I didn't, um, Rise up. I didn't get angry, but it was without consciousness, without conscious knowledge. This is what I I began to do because of what was happening to me as a child. And so because I had no conscious knowledge of what it was, I was also being programmed in the midst of it. I was being programmed to become a person by the abuser, who, as you know, uh, domestic violence abuse is about power and control. It's about manipulation. And um, I was under that power. I was under that rule. And I was under rejection. I was under aggression. I was under threats and intimidation and all of this. Um, came through my father and I was under uh, even possession. Like I, I explained that the abuser seems to believe that they possess and own the person that they are abusing. They seem to believe in their mind, they're deceived into thinking that they own the person. And so therefore they could do whatever they want to the person. They are cowards and they are bullies. They are weak They are afraid, but this is how they keep the power and control over the person that they are abusing. So I would acquiesce and not realize what I was doing and not consciously aware of what people were doing to me and how people were treating me because I had been beat down into subjection for so long. And so under that acquiescing, I had learned to be very submissive, very submissive and um, um, did things against my will that I didn't want to do, that I knew inside I didn't want to do, but because I had no power to fight back. I had no will of my own, no strength of my own to fight back. So therefore, I was overpowered. And so how that fits in with the rape is that I happened to be at that time a number of years ago before my daughter was born. I happened to be um, visiting one of my sister's. And in Los, one of my sisters in Los Angeles. And as I was leaving her house after visiting with her for a while, I did not know that a man was driving down the street watching me. Because I was riding the bus at the time. And so I was walking from my sister's house to the nearest bus stop so I could go home. And so I had no idea that somebody was driving around and watching me as I was walking. And so when I finally got to the bus stop where I was going to take the bus to the direction of my home, before the bus came, this man walked up to me. Now I don't um pretty I don't pretty much or didn't at the time pretty much um really talk to strangers. I mean as children we are taught you know don't talk to strangers don't talk to people that you don't know and so you kind of a little wary of that or in some cases you might even be suspicious of that and so I didn't pay any attention and matter of fact I didn't even see him when he parked a little ways down from where I was standing at the bus stop and as I was standing there watching for the bus to come he shows up and he comes and approaches me and he was saying that he saw me walk down the street. I said, "Well, I didn't see you." And so he told me that he circled around the block three times as I was walking towards where the that nearest bus stop was. And I said, "Well, I didn't see you." And so he said, "Well, I just I saw you and said I just wanted to get to know you." And I said, "Well, no, oh, okay." And um so he asked me for my phone number. And I gave him the phone number. And um, the next thing um, I knew, he says, well, I like how you look. And I'm like, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> and so he said, um, and he said, okay, that, that was all I wanted to say, and I'll call you. And he left. He got in his car and he left. Well, I didn't think any more about it. You know, I was, you know, like any other person, I had other things on my mind, I had other things on my mind. I had other uh, things I was thinking about. So I didn't think any more about him. I didn't think any more about the fact that he approached me. And um, so he did call me that night. He did call me that night. He did tell me his name, by the way. He did tell me his name. And um, I said, okay. And I told him my name. And so he did call me that night. and So we had a conversation. And so he said, Well, I just I just really like you. And so I was in my mind like, mm, yeah, okay, all right, all right. And because that's where that really wasn't where my mind was at. And um then I thought later, why did I give him my phone number? I didn't even know why I gave him my phone number. But then when I thought about it a little later, I said it was his approach. Because some men and men who are listening to me, please do not get offended some men's approach to a woman is not very good. It's a, it can be a little off-putting and it can be a little bit like, dude, you you don't even know how to talk to me. You don't you don't even know how to talk to me. You don't even know how to roll up on me, you know? And sometimes that can be a bit um Uh, It could put you off and and, and it could put a woman off because of, of the approach. You could do better with a man could do better with a woman by his approach. And men, I'm not saying all of you listening, I'm not saying your approach is 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 all wrong. I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm only going by my experience. I'm only going by what I experience. So please do not get offended. I love I love and respect all men. <laughs> Please do not get offended. And his approach was um it was mature. It was a mature approach. It was um of just him being a man, and men, of course, being like what they see in women, like how women look, depending, and um, that that's what I saw about him. And then I thought later, that's what made me stop and say, "Okay, I'll talk to him." And so we had a conversation that night, and we made a date, uh, a date. Uh, Uh, talked about, you know, meeting up. And so we made a date that he would come and pick me up and he would take me to lunch. And I believe it was maybe the following week after, I don't remember exactly when, but um, he would come and pick me up and we would have lunch and we would talk. So we did do that. We did do that. And so I made time for that. And, um, we had a nice talk at the restaurant. We got to know each other, uh, not as much, uh, not as quickly or as deep because it does take time to get to know a person. It does take time. And so, um, we did talk, uh, we did talk a while. And then I thought after we had lunch, he was just going to take me home. I mean, that's what I, I thought that's what I expected, you know, just take me home. And so we left the restaurant. It was near where he lived in Los Angeles. And um, he said, oh, okay, I'll take, I'll take you home. But he said, is it okay if we stop in my house? I need to pick up something. And I I said, "Well, well, sure, of course. I mean, sure. Whatever it is you need to pick up, you know, before you take me home. I'm like, sure. And he, and then we got to his home and he said, you're welcome to come in. So I came in with him. Um, and he just, he said, you know, take a seat. He left me in the living room and he went into the bedroom. And so I just figured, okay, he was going to get whatever it is he needed to get, and then we were going to leave. But the next thing I knew, was I was sat, I was sitting on the couch, and the next thing I knew, he came and sat next to me, and then all of a sudden he began to touch me. He began to touch me because he got close, and he began to start touching me, and I'm, I'm like, mm, you know, uh. You know, don't don't do that. (laughs) Don't touch me. Now, remember where my mind was, where my mind was, I acquiesced. And before I knew it, he was forcing himself on me. And I was used to that under the domestic violence abuse. I was used to that. And so I said I acquiesced. And before I knew it, I had just let him do what he wanted to do. And before I know it, he took off his shirt. He said, is it okay? I'll take off my shirt. It's kind of warm in here. And I'm thinking still in my mind, well, you're supposed to be taking me home. And he took off his shirt and then he just sat there. Next thing I knew, he was all over me. He was all over me. I was trying to fight. I did did have some fight. I was trying to fight. And I was trying to um, get him off of me. And before I know it, he had raped me. And somewhere in my mind, I had blocked all of that out. Because when the Lord had told me... um, uh, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but m- uh, myself and a friend of mine, we we went away, uh, a, a girlfriend, we went away one weekend and we just wanted to get into prayer and we just wanted to ha- have some time away. And as she was in one part of the house where we went to a uh, so, uh, timeshare in uh, Oxnard and uh, she was in one part of the house, I was in the other part of the house. And as she was praying and I was praying separate from each other, uh, the Lord had said, spoke to me and said, you were raped. And I went, what? I was raped. And in my mind, I couldn't understand why God said that to me because I didn't remember anywhere in my life at any time from childhood up. Where I had been raped, it was blocked in my mind, and I'm like, okay, okay. I have the relationship with God where I hear Him speak to me, and He said, "You were raped." I said, "Okay." So I wrote that down in my notes. We this was our time away in prayer, so we can hear what we needed to hear for our life and we can move on to whatever the Lord was leading us to do. So I told my friend, I said, the Lord just told me that I was raped. And I said, well, I don't remember it. I do not remember where I was raped. Now I was able to say how only because when I took the training through the YWCA, for, to become a certified sexual assault crisis advocate counselor. I signed up for that training in 2016. And the, the I went through the preliminary orientation of the training. And I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll take this. I knew God was leading me to take it. And I said, I'll take this because he was adding another piece to the ministry that he had given to me. And so I said, okay, I'll take it. So I went to the orientation and I got all of that straightened out and I was coming to the next meeting. It wasn't until the next meeting that I walked into the training room and before I sat down in the seat, In the training room, God flooded my mind with how I was raped, which is what I just said, how it happened, because there was a memory block inside of me. And while I was, why I was able to say in detail how he did it was only after when I had the training and on the first day of the training, God opened it up to me. It's like a light came on in my head and then all of a sudden in my heart, I knew what happened. And at the moment, a lot of feelings begin to flood back. Into me, and so when he showed it to me, I began to sit down and I got silent. And then, out of my mouth, just in a whisper, I said, This is how it happened because it was a blocked memory, it was blocked out. I was still suffering from the traumatic after effects of domestic violence abuse. I was an adult at this point, but I said in the last podcast, there were things that I suffered. There were a myriad myriad of things that I suffered. And so I was still suffering from some of those things. I was still in this place of being subjected I was still in the place of submitting because it was the acquiescing that I did. I was still programmed. I was still bowing down. And so here came this stronger person, physically stronger person that was doing the same thing as my father did. I was so traumatized by the domestic violence abuse my father did that it caused this to happen inside of me when other men came into my life. I didn't have good relationship with men because of my father. That is also for another podcast (laughs) because God delivered me from the hatred of men. Men who are listening, please do not be offended. And so when I began to go through the training to become a certified sexual assault crisis advocate counselor, I had to deal with some of the things that were flooding back inside of me. I had to deal with the feelings, I had to deal with the memories, I had to pray, <laughs> and I had to get through um, that training because they were talking about things that happened to rape victims. And then I realized then what happened to me, the memories just flooded back. And I'm like, okay, I do see it now because when the Lord spoke it to me years before the training in 2017, I could not figure out for the life of me how I was raped because it's like I would know that. A woman knows when she has been sexually assaulted. That is not hard to figure out. She knows when she has been overpowered, she has been forced, and her uh, it, this person is taking control of her and taking control of her body. She knows when she has to fight to get this person off of her and keep that person from doing more to her than um, it, it's, it started out to be. So I didn't For four years, I'll say for four years, I had a relationship with this man for four years. I had a relationship with this man, not knowing that he was the one that raped me. I didn't know it was a memory block. Sexual assault victims can have memory blocks, which means even though they're in the midst of the throw of the, of the rape at the time it's happening in real time, when they go back to try to remember because it's so much shock and it's so much trauma that happens, there are parts of it that they may not be able to remember that it truly happened to them. There may be a memory block there where they can't retrieve that information from their mind because in traumatic situations, sometimes a person will um, go into a place where because of the pain of what happened, they will go into a place that in their mind is a safe place. And that and they'll live in that safe place. That's not good. No, but they will live in that safe place and not be able to remember all of what happened to them until they sit down with someone to counsel with them, to help them to. Uh, go back over the parts that they do remember so that they can also be able to retrieve the missing parts of what happened. And so it wasn't until years after years after it happened to me that God spoke it to me and then when I went to the training and on the first day of the training all the memories began to flood back and then of all of a sudden I was able to put my finger on exactly what happened when it happened and how it happened. And so therefore, from that point on in learning the training, because I went through the training so I can learn how, in addition to what God was teaching me, how I can learn how to counsel with victims like myself. And then that's when God began to show me Tamar in 2 Samuel chapter 13. He began to show me that it was similar to what she suffered. And so I didn't go through any of the um, police reports or any of that. This was years after. And I was with him for four years. And also at that point, when he raped me, I got pregnant. I became pregnant. So my daughter now, who is most precious and blessed in my life, is a, was a product of rape. And so all of these things begin to come back to me because I thought I had a child from him out of wedlock. But actually, when God began to reveal the truth to me of what happened, she actually is a child from rape. And so, because uh, I had still kept having uh, a re- relationship with him for about four years, off and on, more often on, and then he was out of my life by to that by 1999, he was out of my life. And so, because I didn't know at the time, I was raped by him. I didn't do anything about it. I just thought it was just him and me in a relationship, though it was rocky and it was on and off, more off than on. And I had my daughter at that point. So when I didn't see him anymore for many years after that, she was in middle school. And so I didn't see him anymore after that. I got born again. I be I became born again, accepted Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life, and I became this new creature. I became a new person, and so I began my walk closely with Jesus, and he didn't let me know immediately what happened. It was years after, and the man was gone by then. He was out of my life by then. And so he, when God began to show me what happened, then there was no, um, uh, I couldn't prosecute. I couldn't report. I didn't know where he was. I had no idea where he was. He was, um, uh, A resident alien, I think that's what they're called, when the person is not a citizen of the United States. So he was legally able to be in the country. He was from another country. So as far as I knew he had even left the United States and gone back to his native country. And so I hadn't seen him or talked to him for years, for years. And so but and I wasn't able to tell him I wasn't able to say anything to him about it after the Lord showed me because he was gone and I never saw him again to this day I haven't seen him so um this is what happened to me and I'm sure it's some women out there who has suffered rape the way I did because you had abuse In other areas in your life. And because of that abuse in other areas, here came another form of abuse to pile on top of what you had already gone through. So you're already a mess and you're already soul broken and you're already in a mindset. I said I didn't have any memory of what he did. No memory whatsoever. And so because God brought it back to me to help me so I could get free and then to tell me there are women out there that this has happened to them and I want you to go help them. And so this is Part one of this particular podcast. I have a part two that will come to this podcast. It's already at 49, almost 50 minutes of this particular podcast so that I will be able to explain a little bit more. But I just wanted to get that out there because I did promise that the next podcast would be how I was raped, how domestic violence led up to rape. And I do want to help uh, ladies understand that the ladies who have been uh, violently attacked by rape, you do have some memory blocks sometimes. You do have parts of your mind that you do not remember. And it takes God and counseling to help you to understand and bring out those parts that you have blocked out. When a person is traumatized and the trauma is so painful... And it's so deeply hurtful, sometimes people will just split. And that's what you call dissociative, when that person is detached from reality, and they go and hide into in their mind what they form for themselves to be able to cope and to be able to handle. Uh, in their mind, they're in their mind, they believe they're handling the situation, but they're not. But it's the only way at the moment that they can cope with what happened to them. And so it takes counseling to help that person to come back into the reality of what happened with them. And so that the split personality or the dissociative um, the dissociative, uh, 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 part that happened to them can come back together. This is what happens in the soul of a woman. This is what happens in the soul of a person when they have been violently attacked and, and live through it. Some have been violently attacked and didn't live because in some instances, the rapist may even murder the woman that they rape. But I survived and many other women have survived. But some women are still messed up in their soul. They're still messed up in their mind. And sometimes you don't remember exactly all the details of what happened. And so those are things that I want to talk about to all the ladies. And I do want to... uh Oh, tell the ladies that, remind the ladies, all the ladies who are listening to me, that Jesus loves you. It's so very, very important. Before I end this podcast, it's so very important that, ladies, you know how much Jesus loves you. How much Jesus loved me to tell me. I guess the Lord decided when the time was that he was going to let me know what happened. Because I was still broken in areas in my life from the domestic violence abuse. And so God determines when that person needs to know the truth, all the truth of the things that have happened to them. Because I had a memory block. I just simply did not remember. It was like I blocked out of my memory. And so when he said it to me, I was like, well, how could that possibly happen? Would I had not known that? And so he helped me to understand exactly what happened. So this is part one. This is part one. And so this I want to leave this scripture for all the ladies and from uh for the young women, um, the God's comfort to you because he loves you. And it's Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and afflicted. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to announce liberty to captives and to open the eyes of the blind. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor to them has come and the day of his wrath to their enemies, justice. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes and joy instead of mourning and praise instead of heaviness. This is the scripture that the Lord gave me at the beginning Of the ministry he gave me. It was this scripture, Isaiah chapter 61, verses one through three. It is a very comforting scripture because God is saying, I'm coming in to bring comfort to you. I'm coming in to fix what happened to you. I'm coming in to get you to get your life back. I'm coming in to take away your mourning, your sadness, your sorrow. I am coming in to bring beauty for ashes. I am coming in to end all that has happened to you. This is part one of the, this podcast and part two will come up. So I want to say goodbye. Everybody have a great day and I will speak to you again soon. Please like, please share, please follow me. On my podcast piece. Follow me on Tears of Ministries Facebook page. The podcast will be uploaded to Tears of Ministry Facebook page and it will link to Anchor.fm and anchor.fm will link to Spotify.com where you can listen on Um, Those are platforms where all the podcasts will be uploaded. I'm so happy that you joined me today. I'm so happy you listened. Please like, share, and follow. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.